Welcome to the UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast, Episode 21. I'm your host, Chris McKee, here on a frigid Friday afternoon in the Toronto area. As usual, we will go through some of the key scores and storylines over the past week from Mid-Major Hoops. My last podcast was Tuesday, so this is a Friday afternoon, so I'll cover everything in between and lay out what's going to happen this weekend. Also going to go through the mid-major rankings this week. I have ranked the 10, well, the 11 best mid-major teams. We all know Gonzaga is going to be number one. I'll spoil that party for you. And then I'm also going to give you my way-too-early Final Four prediction I've gone through some of the teams I've watched an obscene amount of college basketball, probably several hundred games so far this year, and I'm ready to tell you which four teams I think will make a run to the Final Four. Now, obviously, it's subjective because we I don't know what brackets these teams are going to be in, but for now, these are four teams I like. Also, I'll touch a little a couple mid-majors I think might be able to make a deep run, so we'll get into that. And of course, my betting picks from the past week, I have been on fire lately. So I am eight of my last 10 from my podcast Tuesday. I gave you three games. One game was canceled for the second time, Texas A&M Vanderbilt. Game didn't play, so that's a wash. And then I was one for one on my games. I called East Tennessee State to beat Mercer. They were getting a point. It was a plus one uh, for, for ETSU, and they won by five or six, which I called. And then unfortunately, the Kentucky Wildcats did not cover. They were getting four points against Missouri. They lost 75-70, so I missed that one, but still eight of my last 11 and on fire. And I got four games I'm going to give you for Saturday that I feel pretty good about. But first, I want to start with what we do as usual. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, the number one team in college basketball, they improved to 18-0. and Last night, after an uncomfortable 76-58 win over Pacific, I watched the entire game. Great game. In previous pods, I work Saturday through Wednesday, so Thursday and Friday, my day's off, which is why I'm recording this today. But uh, I had a few pops last night, enjoying the game. It was I had a bunch of games on, but once that game, the Gonzaga Pacific game, came on, I got rid of all my split screens and just focused on it. And um, it was a pretty interesting game. I enjoyed it. So 21 points from Drew Timmy and also 19 points and eight rebounds for Jalen Suggs. And Corey Kispert chipped in with 14 points as well. So if you didn't watch the game, Pacific had a 32-31 lead at halftime. The Zags couldn't shoot in the first half. Jalen Suggs was ice cold. Corey Kispert couldn't hit anything. And what they did was just go to Drew Timmy. So I've come to the conclusion that Drew Timmy is the insurance policy for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. When things aren't working, they have the big man that they can just feed the ball to in the middle. You know, let's go old school. Let's go 80s, 90s basketball where, you know, you needed a big guy. I mean, Drew Timmy, six foot ten sophomore, and he is just the insurance policy. And one of the things I thought of was, you know, watching that game last night, obviously the arena empty, Pacific in California, and no fans allowed in that state. But if there was fans in that game, we may have been looking at an upset for Gonzaga. Pacific came out defensively. They matched the intensity of the Zags. The Zags were a little sluggish. They were a little slow. And I think those missed shots, you know, if you had fans in the building, maybe they would get in the head of these kids. Maybe instead of just a one-point halftime lead for Pacific, it's a 10-point halftime lead, and things are different. And I, I just couldn't help but think that, man, these guys would have benefited of that crowd, that gaining that momentum, because they're coming out there hitting shots early. And so now you get the crowd in it. And then Gonzaga's missing shots. So now the crowd's more in it. And I just think that was a crying shame for the Pacific guys because they did play very well and obviously just kind of 
ran out of talent. Essentially what happened in the second half, Zags came out, pulled it away behind the insurance policy, Drew Timmy, who watching the game as well last night, I've come to the conclusion that Drew Timmy is a clone of Christian Leitner. Now I'm old enough to remember I watched just about every game of Christian Leitner's college career. And I'm not talking about Christian Leitner in the pros. I'm talking about Christian Leitner as a Duke Blue Devil. And Drew Timmy is a clone. Uh, similar in height, similar in stature. Their post moves, when their back is to the basket, Drew Timmy has all the moves that Leitner has. Now, I will give this. I don't want the Dukies going nuts. Leitner's a better shooter. Better three-point shooter little bit more efficient shooting. Now, that's not to say Drew can't shoot because he sure as hell can. I don't think he can shoot the three the way Christian could. But um, as far as everything else, everything from kind of 18 feet in, they're comparable back to the basket, comparable. I could even argue maybe Drew's a little bit better defensively than Christian was. But they are the same guy. And you, you wonder, now I think Drew's going to go to the NBA this year. I think he'll probably be a late first-round pick, at worst a second-round pick, with his, you know, several of his teammates getting picked as well. I've gone gone through that, you know, ad nauseum over and over. And I think Jalen Suggs will be the number one pick. Corey Kispert, probably be a lottery pick, if not mid-first round. And then Timmy, late first round, and Nemhart and Ayayi probably will see the NBA as well. Now, whether they come out this year, we don't know, but... um. You know, if Timmy stuck around like Leitner did as a four-year player, so Timmy's a sophomore, man. And this guy, I, I can make an argument, he's the college basketball player of the year. still think one of his teammates is going to get it, but I could certainly sit here and make an argument that he is, and a lot of people could. And so if he sticks around for his junior, senior year, the way Leitner does, or Leitner did, excuse me, um, think about all the accolades he could rack up. And maybe he does work himself into a lottery pick in two years. Now, I don't think there's any need to. You know, this isn't 1992 and 93 when Leitner was playing, which I said, I've watched him pretty closely. I've watched the shot live. I watched that, you know, improbable bucket, you know, the, the heave from Grant Hill, and Leitner caught it and shot it. And I watched that in my apartment in Scarborough, Ontario as a teenager. And so, I trust me, I know what Leitner is. I know what Drew Timmy is. They're the exact same player. Now, it's not to say Leitner didn't have a, I mean, didn't have a great NBA career, a decent NBA career. I think there was a lot of hype and, and uncertain expectations on him, and I don't think Timmy's going to have that. And so I think maybe he'll have a little bit more success in the pros because he's not going to have the the be-all, end-all, you know, the world on his shoulders the way Leitner did. But they're the same guy, the same player. If you haven't watched him, please do so. So one of the things that I also thought was a big turnaround for Gonzaga in that game was head coach Damon Stoudemire. Talked about this a couple weeks ago. I know followed Damon's career very well. He played for the Toronto Raptors. I'm Toronto born and raised. Okay, I watched Damon play at Arizona. You know, I, I watched the game when Santa Clara beat Arizona in the NCAA tournament. And so I followed this guy's career, and one of the things about Damon, he was a great pro for Toronto, but then as things progressed, he became whiny and sulky, and he wanted out of Toronto bad. And I got sick and tired of seeing that moping and that inability to control his emotions appropriately for a professional athlete, and that exact same Damon Stoudemire came out last night. So the kid Bell, number one on Pacific, it was a garbage call. It should never have been a foul call, and I agree with him a thousand percent in that. But ref calls a foul, and at this point, it's a one-point game. 
and Damon Stoudemire goes ballistic, you know, acting like a six-year-old, you know, that someone took away his dinky cars, and he's in a rage, and even all his players were trying to calm him down, going, stop, stop, stop. So at this point, to one-point game, of course he gets teed up. Gonzaga gets two free throws. Corey Kispert drains them both. And so now we go from a, a one-point game to a three-point game. And that's when the separation started for Gonzaga. Right after that, you could see the frustration in the Pacific players being like, come on, coach, stop. You know, they knew, hey, we're focused, man. We're good. Don't, don't give them any free baskets, man. We're out here working our asses off. And Damon, Damon Sotomayor acting like a little baby, you know, that spoiled brat. It, it brought back all these memories of Damon with Toronto. You know, said loved his career in the beginning, but he became a sulk, just like Wince Carter. And I, don't, don't get me started on the whole Wince Carter thing. Can't stand him. Um, you know, everyone think, oh, he was great for the Raptors. He was, but nobody sulked, complained, bitched, and just whined more than Vince Carter to get out of this city. And now that... You know, I, I've written about this in the past where, you know, Toronto, now we're the cool city. Drake's involved and, you know, all the free agents want to come here. Vince all of a sudden wants to reestablish his connection with Toronto. Oh, yeah, I'm a Toronto legend. No, you ain't. Okay. And so, and that kind of whole, you know, I watched, there was a good 20-year period where the, nobody wanted to play in Toronto. Vince was as part of that. And also Damon kind of started it because he was came here and accepted Toronto and accepted Canada. And we accepted him. And he just became a whiny little punk. And that came out last night and I saw it. And it's like Damon Stoudemire cost his team that game. Boys were playing well. They were composed. Their head coach wasn't. And that leads me to believe, I, you know, if he ever thinks he's going to be in line to be the Arizona head coach or some high major, zero chance. Until he can control his emotions, he's done a good job building Pacific into a good team. But that's the stumbling block. Can't control his emotions. Good coaches can. So, you know, don't, don't expect Damon Sotomayor to move too high up the coaching ranks after what I saw out of him last night. So coming up next... The Zags have BYU on Monday, so that was the game that was supposed to be February 27th. Santa Clara couldn't go this week, so the West Coast Conference switched the schedules around, and now they're going to play BYU. BYU a really good team. BYU 15-4. and four. Zags beat them comfortably a couple weeks ago when they played, and I was hoping this would be the last game of the season, and the Zags' undefeated season was going to be on the line for it because I thought BYU would give them a game. Uh, BYU is going to be at home for this game coming up on Monday. But um, it all is going to rely on Alex Barcelo. If he can shoot, that was the problem. He came out, uh, played his worst game of the season against Gonzaga, and he's their best player. He's BYU's best player. So if Barcelo can hit shots, if he can get his three going early, we may see something. Because, I mean, I saw, hey, the Zags, they looked beatable for the first time in that first half against Pacific last night. So who knows? What's going to happen on Monday, we'll see. But BYU, this is the best shot of knocking off the perfect season in the regular season. Anyway, obviously, come tournament time, um, we'll see. I think the Zags going to be the NCAA champs. But uh, BYU could get in the way of that, of that perfect season come Monday. So we'll see what's happening. So remember, coming up in today's pod later on, I'm going to give you the mid-major rankings. I'm going to go through my way-too-early Final Four predictions as well as what mid-major teams could make a run. And I'll give you my betting picks, but I want to run through some of the key scores over the past week. So going back to Tuesday, Toledo improved to 16-4. and four. They beat a really good Akron team. So Akron, number two team in the MAC. Toledo, number one. Akron had won, I think, five games in a row. They were surging, looking really good. And Toledo just stomped them. So Toledo right now, I mean, 25 points from JT Shoemate, who's been shooting the lights out over the past couple weeks. He had 33 last week in a game. 
And they that's the thing with Toledo. They got guys. They got so many guys all over the court. And they are separating from the pack in the MAC. So right now, I cannot see anyone beating the Toledo Rockets. Look for them to go dancing in March. Now, the MAC, you know, a very close conference. But I just think right now, 2-10, to 10, it's a close conference. One has separated. Toledo has completely separated. They are by far and away the best team in the Mid-American Conference. And look for them. To be in March Madness, they can win a couple games. So we'll, we'll get to them a little later on, but um, looking pretty good. One team that is sliding. So Eastern Kentucky, number two team in the Ohio Valley Conference behind Belmont, who was, what, 18-1, 19-1? Belmont, freaking good. But um, So EKU Tuesday squeaked by Jacksonville State, 86-82 in overtime. But last night I watched them. They lost to Austin P. So they're slipping. You know, Belmont continues to separate in the pack. So there's two mid-majors that I would say will you will see in March, Belmont and Toledo. Another team that is surging in the Ohio Valley, though, Moorhead State. I'll get to them a little later on because I did watch the entire game of them last night. So also Tuesday, Dayton with a shocking loss to Duquesne, 69-64. So the A-10 still up in the air. I think the Bonnie's the best team in the A-10. And they're going to be one of my betting picks, I believe. I did have them down. And so uh, it's really cannibalizing itself, that entire conference. I mean, Duquesne's not that good. And uh, here they are beating a really good Dayton team who'd been red hot. So who comes out of the A-10? I don't know. I still believe it, it's going to be St. Bonaventure's right now. But that one is, is, is just a toss-up. So going back to Wednesday, one of the teams I talked about a couple weeks ago as one of the worst teams in college basketball, but they had a little bit of fight in them. Delaware State gets their first win of the season on Wednesday night over Lancaster Bible College, 81-80. So who is Lancaster Bible College? Well, I'm pretty sure it's Joel Austin's men's pickup team. Joel Kimball, apparently. Looks like he can still give Division I athletes a pretty good run for their money. I love me some Joel Austin. Listen to his show on Sirius XM often. And I follow him on Twitter. Followed Joel for years on Twitter. And another interesting tidbit about Lancaster Bible College is that Pastor Greg Locke is the shooting guard. Pretty skilled too, man. Love me some Pastor Greg. Uh, follow him on social media as well. He's very anti-lockdown and stuff, as I. I cannot stand any of these lockdowns. It's not the, you know, lock healthy population in their homes. It's criminal. And without getting too political, that's the only thing I say. So I support Pastor Greg Locke in that aspect. And, um, yeah, I mean, who, who the hell is Lancaster Bible College and why is the Division One basketball team playing them? So, hey, nice for Delaware State to get a little bit of confidence and get that first win of the season. But, Lancaster Bible College, like, what is it? Why are they playing Division One teams? And yeah, I, I don't know. But hey, shout out Joel Austin as well. <laughs> so also going back to Wednesday, this was this was one of my betting picks that I picked. East Tennessee State beat Mercer 70-64 behind 24 points and 10 rebounds from Damari Monsanto. Kentucky lost. That was one of my games. They lost by five. They were getting four points against Missouri. Didn't cover, but. That's not one of my I told you so moments. My I told you so moment for this week is St. Louis Billikens ain't that good. I said it from day one of this season. I don't know why the hell they were ranked for so long. I mean, I know they were on pause, and so the AP Top 25 voters continued to rank them. But I watched them early in the season. They were like, they're okay. 
But I thought, well, they're nowhere near as good as Drake, which was a team I was championing, trying to get them ranked. And so now St. Louis, after coming off their month or the five-week-long sabbatical, they weren't allowed to play, they've lost two in a row. So they lost to a painfully mediocre LaSalle team on Wednesday, 82-75, and I told you so. I, I don't understand. This is proof that the AP Top 25 voters do not watch mid-major basketball because they all kind of get, oh, who are we going to pick? Oh, yeah, St. Louis, great. Yeah, Let's keep voting for them. They're not very good. So probably about six or seven better teams in the A-10 right now. And, um, yeah, I told you so. So last night I watched a ton of games. My day off, really enjoyed all day long watching some hoops. So I watched the entire Moorhead State versus Murray State game. So Moorhead has now won 10 in a row. They're surging in the Ohio Valley. They look really good. It was 66-56 last night over a really good Murray State team. I mean, it was a back-and-forth game. Really enjoyed it. What now, they, could they be, could Moorhead be the team now to beat Belmont? Could they knock them off in the OVC tournament? Perhaps they're trending in the right direction. They're now third in the conference, and the Red Hot looking really good. So keep an eye on them. I mentioned Eastern Kentucky losing to Austin P. I watched that game as well. Also was watching some of the Long Island Sharks. That's, for some reason, I'm fixated with them. I love their uniforms, and I've been watching a whole bunch of their games. I love Trey Wood, their little guard number two. And, uh, however, they did lose last night to Fairleigh Dickinson, 78-70. That was my first look at Fairleigh Dickinson. Decent team. Enjoyed them. I was also watching a bit of the Ohio State versus Iowa game. And then also after the Zags game, I watched most of the Montana win over Portland State. Yes, this is what I do with my life. So, wanted to get to the mid-major rankings. You see other sites do it. There's one site that uses coaches voting. They get a bunch of mid-major coaches to vote. And here's the thing. I mean, if you know anything about college basketball coaches, they are so laser-focused on their own team and who the next opponent is, they don't have time to pay to att pay attention to a lot of other stuff other than their own team and who the next opponent is. You know, I always ask college coaches when I interview them, hey, what are your interests outside of basketball? And very few of them have any interest outside of basketball other than their own team. Hey, you read any books lately? Oh, yeah, how to get make my team better. That's what they tell you. There's no one that gives you any. Uh, yeah, I was reading um, about the Egyptian pyramids. You don't get any of that. It's just everything focused on their own team's winning. So how the hell they're watching other teams and giving a legitimate vote, I don't know. And there's also another site that ranks mid-major teams that consists of essentially probably about 8 or 9, 20-year-old kids that put together a poll. And, uh, you know, college basketball teams seem to get excited about this, about children. Um, ranking them. So here's the deal. I've watched college basketball for 35 years. Uh, this season alone, I could say probably I've watched about 300 games, the majority of the mid-majors. And I can honestly tell you, these are the 11 best mid-major teams in college basketball. And I'm going to lay them out for you. So the number one team, obviously, very simple. The Gonzaga Bulldogs. Now 18-0. This is the best college basketball team we may have seen in a decade. I mean, I could argue what the, what was it, 2017-18 Kentucky team with De'Aaron Fox and Bam Adebayo and Malik Monk, and that group was was pretty good. And the Zags comparable, if not better, to that, but certainly one of, if not the best college basketball team in the past decade. Um, looks like they're going to go undefeated. You know, mentioned BYU going to have a pretty good shot at getting them on Monday. Aside from that, look for a perfect Gonzaga team to enter March Madness as the number one team in the country, or the number one seed, and I think they're going to win March Madness hands down. Gonzaga has at least three NBA players, possibly five right now on the roster. 
They're unbeatable. They also play very well together. They're cohesive. They got a great relationship. You know, I was watching the game last night, and right before the game, I seen Joel Ayai and Jalen Suggs just sitting there hugging each other for a couple seconds, chatting with each other. These guys love each other, and that's great to see. So, you know, they've got team chemistry. It's not just about, hey, let's get to the pros, and who cares about this? These guys want to win, and they're going to win. So the Gonzaga Bulldogs, the best mid-major team in college basketball right now. The number two team, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. They're 13-4 and four right now in Conference USA. They're very deep, talented. I mean, they're highlighted by a future possibly lottery pick, certainly first-round draft pick in Charles Bassey, 6'11 center. He's averaging 17.8 points per game, 12.2 rebounds, and they have three stud guards. Tavion Hollingsworth is the main guard, the main point, and he may get a look at the NBA. He is damn good. Dude can shoot, pass, facilitate, whatever. And also Josh Anderson, I believe, you know, defensively, he is an NBA player. If Josh can develop a three-point shot, he can get to the league. And then you also got true freshman Davion McKnight, who is Mr. Basketball in the state of Kentucky. So you have an NBA player center, possible NBA guard, and, you know, three really good guards. And so I think they are as deep and as talented as any team in college basketball. So I believe the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers are the number two team in the mid-major rankings. Number three, I have the Boise State Broncos. They're 14-2 and two right now in the Mountain West. The Mountain West, top to bottom, is the best mid-major conference in college basketball right now. I mean, from, from the last place team to the first place team as a whole, they have the most talent. And so Boise State, the number one team in that conference right now, they got nine or ten guys that can play. It's a pretty deep team. They don't just rely. It's not like Western Kentucky where their starting five can hang with any starting five in college basketball. But once you get to the bench, it's a little thinner. Boise State, pretty deep. So, I mean, you know, led by Derek Alston Jr., 16.5 points per game. He tested the NBA draft waters this year and came back. I don't know if he's an NBA player, but he's certainly a class above most, most college players. And they also have a couple high major transfers, like elite talent. Abu Kigab from Oregon, the Canadian guy, good Canadian boy. And Devonair Dutrieve, who's the Arizona transfer. So these guys, I mean, they got elite talent. They are good. They play well together. I didn't like that they lost to Colorado State last week. I mean, ended up bouncing back and beating them. But uh, if they had a beaten Colorado State, they would have been ranked in the AP Top 25. I think they'll get there before the season's over. But I believe Boise State is the third best mid-major team in college basketball. Number four, and even I'm not even that sold on this one. I just think the way they're playing right now and the level of talent in the conference. But St. Bonaventure, I have as the number four ranked mid-major team in college basketball. They're 9-1 right now. And the A-10, some would say the A-10 is the best mid-major conference. How about this year? I mean, we saw St. Louis overrated. Some of the other teams starting to lose. I mean, Dayton losing to Duquesne this week. So it's a little inconsistent. And the Bonnies, they had a bit of a pause. But since they've come back from the pause, they're damn good. So right now, and I, I got to look at St. Bonaventure in person up close uh, last year here in Toronto. So got to see some of the players and their coach. And it, they are tough, man. Tough as nails. I love their culture. Man, they got a pretty good fan base as well, and I can see them making a decent run come March, but they are the fourth best mid-major team in college basketball right now. Number five, the Utah State Aggies. So they're 14-5, and five, also out of the Mountain West, the number two team in the Mountain West. They are deep and talented, led by another future NBAer in Namias Keita from Portugal. I talked about him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He's a seven-footer, uh, think Pascal Siakam, except he's taller and longer. It's exactly at when Pascal was at New Mexico State in college. 
uh, Namias Keita at a similar level. You know, I'm, I'm in here in Toronto. I've followed Pascal's whole career. I know what he is, and I think Keita's a better player. I think he could be a better player. Defensively, not even close, man. This dude, he is such a beast. So you have an NBA guy followed by or surrounded by a couple really good guards. They're pretty consistent. Marco Anthony averaging 11.4 points per game. And freshman Raleigh Worcester, love him. This guy out of Montana, two-time state player of the year, Montana. Pretty deceiving team, but I think Utah State, I think even if they don't win the Mountain West, I think they're going to get in that large bid and look for them to be like an 11 or 12 seed. And you always know that there's always that one 12 that gets the upset. Utah State could be that. So number six team I have right now, Colorado State Rams. And Utah State and Colorado State, I mean, you could you could flip them and they're pretty similar. So Colorado State 12-4 and four in the Mountain West. Nico Medved should be the NCAA Coach of the Year for getting more out of his guys than any coach in college basketball. They don't have any NBA guys on Colorado State. What they do have is guts, heart, determination, and the ability to make big shots in key moments. They don't panic. I've talked about this. If Colorado State gets into March Madness, if they get down 12 early, they're not going to panic. They'll be fine. You know, look at David Roddy. I love his game. He's a 6'5". I mean, they have him listed as a guard. He's a power forward. So we have a 6'5 power forward averaging 16 points per game, 9.3 rebounds. We also got Isaiah Stevens with 15 points per game and 6.6 assists. He facilitates. It is a good team. They don't have great players, but they play so well together. They're so well coached. They're tough and unflappable, and I really like them. And uh, I think they're the sixth best team in, in the mid-majors right now. Number seven, and I know a lot of other, some of the people who don't watch games would probably have these guys ranked a lot higher. But Drake, they're 17-0 in the Missouri Valley. They're ranked in the AP Top 25. I still think talent-wise, those other teams ahead of them are better. So right now, if we had a Vegas line, if let's say Western Kentucky was playing Drake this week, there's no doubt in my mind Western Kentucky would probably be about a four-point favorite. So that's why I have them ranked higher. They have better players. Now, I love Drake. No one has championed Drake more than I. Um, some inspiring wins over the past week. 17-point comeback over Missouri State. And then an overtime win on Sunday over Illinois State. Shanquan Hemphill leads the team with 14.4 points per game. But Roman Penn is the engine, the Siena transfer. I mean, he's what's kept Drake undefeated. I love Roman Penn's game. This dude can play 12.5 points per game, 5.5 assists. And the Drake Bulldogs are the number seven mid-major team in college basketball. Number eight, and a team rising up the pole, the Toledo Rockets, 16-4 and four in the Mid-American. Talked about them a couple minutes ago. I mean, number one team in the MAC, which is a man's league. Senior guard Marion Jackson is the most underrated player in college basketball. The dude is a baller. He's a beast. He's just not flashy, not big. He's just a bucket, man. The guy's an old-school player. Uh, one of those guys, you know, you would see playing in Rucker Park in the 80s. Uh, he's just got that it, that moxie. He's going to get a chance in the NBA via the G League, I believe. He's not going to get drafted. But 16.9 points per game, 5.6 assists. Toledo has five players that score in double digits, and the entire team is just tough as nails. So the number nine mid-major team right now in college basketball, the BYU Cougars. Yes, they're a mid-major in basketball. Um, 14 or 15 and 4 right now, excuse me, in the West Coast Conference. They're going to play Gonzaga on Monday, so we'll see what they got. Um, they're not flashy, but they are tough and consistent, and they're the only shot of uh, ending the Zags' perfect season, led by guard Alex Barcelo, I mentioned earlier. 15.4 points per game, and 7'3 big man Matt Harms. 11.3 points per game for the big man. So they got guys that can hang. You know, maybe Harms, you know, can 
can clog up Drew Timmy, and if the Zags have a bad shooting night, BYU can get him. But even if BYU does get to the tournament, which I doubt they will, um, but maybe if they do, they could uh, they can cause some problems for somebody. The number 10 team on my mid-major rankings is the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. They are 14-5, and five, leading Conference USA right now, and they could be the most boring team in college basketball to watch. There is just nothing exciting about them, nothing flashy, but head coach Eric Conkle is getting results in a very tough conference, Conference USA, loaded, and that's all that matters. So they got five players who score in double digits, no NBA guys. I think their leading scorer has like 11 points a game. Bunch of guys with 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 11. That's it. But they play steady, composed basketball. It frustrates the hell out of their opponents. They almost kind of lull you to sleep, really slow the game down. And at the end of the game, they end up with a W. So Louisiana Tech, 14 and 5. It's not pretty, but they're getting results. And trust me, it, I painstakingly put them on there. I went through, I had about 30 teams listed. I'm like, no, if Louisiana Tech played them head to head, they'd beat them. They'd beat them. And so that's how I kind of came up with the rankings. Um, and even, you know, you look at, okay, Western Kentucky, I had two. If they played Colorado State tomorrow, Western Kentucky, two or three point favorite. So that's how I kind of think. If St. Bonaventure played, you know, Louisiana Tech tomorrow, I think they would probably be like a two point favorite. And so that's kind of how I decided to lay it out. And uh, Louisiana Tech, number 10, and the number 11 team on my poll and final team, the Belmont Bruins, 18 and 1, or are they 19 and 1 now? In the Ohio Valley, they're really good. They've won 15 games in a row, 30 of their past 31. You don't want to play them. 6'11", Nick Muzinski is the focal point of the offense. 15 points a game, but freshman guard Jacoby Wood, who I've talked about quite a bit on this pod. I love his game. He's been a revelation for head coach Casey Alexander. 12.8 points per game. He's just got a little it, little moxie. Brings something different to Belmont. Belmont is tough. I, I worry if they get through that OVC tournament, if they can, but, you know, talked about it, they're separating from the pack, and they look really good. So there are your 11 best mid-major teams. I swear by it. I don't pay attention. I never even looked at any of these other rankings from other teams because I don't care because I know for a fact those people do not watch as much college basketball as I do, and I'm trusting my own eyes and my own information, uh, and that's that, and I don't care what, and look, and I like Andy Katz. I don't care what he ranks these teams, and I don't care what Jeff Goodman ranks these teams, and these guys are all fantastic broadcasters and this and that, whatever, but I'm trusting my own eyes. I know what the hell I'm talking about. I've watched college basketball for 30 35 years so these are the 11 best teams in the mid-majors right now so for on the heels of that i want to talk about my way too early final four predictions i seen john rostein tweet this out you know he had gonzaga baylor and then who are your other final four teams and i agree with him in that sense that yes so my final four picks right now and obviously i don't know how the brackets are going to shape up but no doubt in my mind, Gonzaga is going to be a number one seed. And Baylor, barring any serious collapse in the Big 12 Conference Tournament, should be a number one seed as well. Now, I think even if they do collapse the way they're playing right now, and unless they lose like three games you know, down the stretch, which would be shocking, but Baylor is damn good, so deep. Um, they got four really good guards, and, and they just shoot the lights out. I've watched Baylor a number of times this year. They are damn good. You don't want to play them, and so it is clearly them. And there's an argument, you know, that they may be the number one seed overall, even ahead of Gonzaga. We'll see, just because, obviously, the Big 12 schedule they play, in the net rankings and whatever these other rankings they come up with, they're probably ahead of them on a few points. But um, either way, Zags, Baylor, that's pretty easy. And then my other two teams I like in my Final Four as of right now, the Michigan Wolverines. I believe they are a top-five team. Hey, the Big Ten, a tough conference, so they're going to get clipped here and there. 
Um, I just think they're capable of a deep run. They have the athleticism. They have the elite talent. They've got, you know, Mike Smith, my guy out of Columbia, the grad transfer, who's the steadying, mature, you know, he, he balances things out. Jawan Howard, the head coach, has done a wonderful job reviving Michigan and, and making them elite again. And I think they're gonna they're up for a big run. Um, so look for the Wolverines to go, you know, I, I say at worst Elite Eight, I think they're Final Four team. And then my Final Four team, this team is not even ranked right now in the AP Top 25, and I don't know why because they've watched them a ton, but the USC Trojans, I believe, could make a run to the Final Four. They're 14-3 and three right now in the season, and why they're not ranked, I don't know. But if you haven't seen Evan Mobley, their freshman center, you have to. He's probably a lottery pick. I mean, you can make an argument. He'd go ahead of Jalen Suggs if he has a good run in March Madness, but... He reminds me of a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, I said it. That's how good he is. And so I, I see the USC Trojans making a pretty deep run. They've got the NBA center, some pretty good guards surrounding him. Evan Mobley's, Mobley's brother uh, on the same team. Nice little power forward as well. But Evan is elite. He's a future NBA superstar. He's a seven-footer. And, I mean, look. You know, Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar stayed, what, three, four years in college. And so if Mobley did the same thing, which there's no way in hell he is. But I think when you have an NBA player playing against college kids in March on a big stage, I think that should push USC into the Final Four. So there's my four, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, USC. Now, what mid-majors could make a run? Talked a little bit about hey, Western Kentucky, right? I don't know if they're a Final Four team. They're definitely a Sweet 16 team. I think they could make, you know, cause some problems for some teams. And then any of the Mountain West teams, Boise State, Utah State, uh, Colorado State, all of those those three, any whoever comes out of the Mountain West, very capable of making a deep run into the NCAA tournament. Is this a year we see a Loyola Chicago or a George Mason type of team? No. I'd be very shocked. I don't know if that team's out there, but there are some mid-majors that can win a game or two uh, and, and get to the Sweet 16. But I think look for the traditional powers, aside from Gonzaga, to be in, in the Final Four this year. So obviously that's going to change over the next little bit. We'll, we'll get into that. But uh, what I did want to close with this week is my betting picks of the week. I've been on fire of late. I am eight of my last 11 picks. So listen up, man. Maybe I can make you a few bucks here. So my first pick, and all these games are for Saturday. I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon. So I like that way out. I'll have the pod posted at some point tonight. And uh, that way, you know, for those listening to it, download it tonight, tomorrow morning, and uh, try and get an opportunity to uh, get a few bucks in, whether you have an online account or you have a guy you send toe to. So here's four games I like coming up on Saturday. So the first, LaSalle minus four versus Fordham. So LaSalle... Uh, I mean, you know, a mediocre A10 team, but they beat Dayton this this week, and Dayton is a damn good team, and so they've got something going on. Fordham has one win this year. They fired their head coach last week. I just think they're in disarray. I can't see them having any kind of fight in them because if they did, they wouldn't have got their head coach fired. So I like LaSalle comfortably minus four over a bad Fordham team. So roll with it. Another game I do like is Evansville getting plus 20.5 points right now versus Loyola Chicago. I talked about this last week. Loyola Chicago could be the worst 15-3 college basketball team I've seen. They have nothing special about them. I think they're overrated. I think, you know, Vegas and AP voters are kind of thinking this is Loyola Chicago from a couple years ago. It's not. 
they, I mean, played a pretty weak schedule right now. I think, you know, I'm not saying they ain't going to win this game. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Evansville did win outright. But I think it's going to be a lot closer. They're getting 20, almost 21 points. Take the points in Evansville over an overrated Loyola Chicago. I also like St. Bonaventure's getting two points. St. Bonaventure plus two versus St. Louis. St. Louis has lost two games in a row, you know, since they've come back. And the Bonnies are 9-1. The Bonnies are red hot right now. They're the number one team in the A-10. So how the number one team in the A-10 is getting two points, I don't know. But certainly take it. And uh, I think Bonnies comfortably in that game should win and another game i do like tomorrow wofford plus six versus foreman so this is in the uh the socon wofford 11 and 6 right now i watched them beat a pretty good uh east tennessee state game uh, team last week it's a nice team and they got some guys Furman 11 and 5 so Watford which is one more loss than Furman and they're getting six points all of these SoCon games pretty close you know they're four or five point games and uh I think I mean Watford could win outright but either way they're getting six points take it and uh I wish you luck so there's four picks for you so don't forget, check out undraftedfreeagent.com, the website. Follow me on Twitter, at Mr. McKee, M-R-M-C-K-E-E. Give the socials a follow, Undrafted Free Agent, on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, I'm pretty active with Twitter. It's a work in progress, but we'll get there. Hey, and I'm also on Facebook, believe it or not. So for those 70-year-olds uh, out there listening, I'm on Facebook. Check out undraftedfreeagent.com. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and I'll be back Tuesday with another pod. The beating of my heart.